Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkaluta. Recovery. Uh, oh, <laughs> but, hi, I'm back. I'm Shimonitu. Yeah, Shimonitu's back. Yay. Like, Press is still here. I'm still here. Yeah, are we Hello. introducing ourselves still? Yeah. Are, we, are we past that point in this series? I, I, we might be. We might be past that point. Welcome back to Mark's Madness. We read books. Uh, my name is David. I'm Shimani too. I'm Prez. And we are back to continue reading on Gramsci on the second Stuart Hall reader that Prez has put together for us um, as we go through Gramsci. Because, again, so, you cannot just read through the prison notebooks. They are just full of God knows everything. <laughs> so that's what we're working on. In the meantime, we normally start with some current events. And Shugmani 2 came back on quite a day because there's a lot going on. Woo woo! Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, from like Atlanta to mm-hmm. freaking all the way over to the straight the Strait of Gibraltar. Is that what it's called? Yes, the Strait okay. of Gibraltar. Um, so we're gonna start off uh, talking about in Atlanta. So obviously there are the forest defenders who've been pushing against Cop City and. The mayor, everybody is pushing harder and harder for this. Um, obviously, a lot of the the uh, tertiary groups that have helped get Dems elected uh, down in Georgia and in Atlanta are denouncing Cop City, and Dems don't care because all they do is they they they're there to kill left energy and and pose as some leftist solution to continue the right wing march of the settler colony. Um, and oh, now, yeah, <laughs> and so now what's happened? is the people who were doing a bail fund for those getting arrested for the protest. Because when you protest, people get arrested a lot on bullshit charges. And then you have to bail them out really quickly or they're going to lose their jobs, right? And the people doing the protest fund, of course, use those funds anywhere from COVID tests needed for people um, to the actual bail funds themselves. And What's happened is the transactions that were not specifically to bail funds, Atlanta is leveraging to try to claim that they are money laundering, which is bullshit charges. Yeah, one was like $130 for camping stuff or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that. which again is for being in the forest. It's not even a lot. It, and it's not, not even a lot of money. Like, you are you going to like fucking arrest the mob running fucking casinos and shit in the fucking. Uh, Atlanta, like Atlanta, is a pretty crime-ridden city. Well, yeah, white collar. The mob works with them. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're not gonna. Yeah, and they're they're not gonna arrest you know white collar crime because that that's all done by fines, right? Just to let you know that it's only a crime for poor people. Rich people have the money to commit these crimes, get richer from these crimes, and then pay little little penalties. And we'll we'll touch back on fines in a second here, in the news. Um, but yeah, so this is money laundering. This most directly is directly attacking land defenders and coming after people defending against Cop City, which is incredibly unpopular. And we've talked about is a huge destruction, not only environmentally and of neighborhoods that are predominantly black and, and poor and putting shooting ranges and constantly armed cops near kids and schools with noise <laughs> running around with these guns. It's going to spike death, right? Hey, um, but it might discourage school shooters. <laughs> the cops will just be the school shooters. Oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> Not to mention, as we've seen you, at uh, what's it called? Uh, 
where was it where they just stood? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Uvalde. Yeah. Uvalde. Yeah. yeah. Where they just stood by, and then the children's screams have been removed from the audio, will forever be burned in my memory. Um, that was just such a horrific event and and so yeah no school if anything the shooting range just means that there's a bunch of school shooters real close by uh so yeah um where they came from mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but anyway so this is is super dangerous it's super unpopular and now they're using this as to attack the people defending the forest which first and foremost that should be a priority we should not immediately scurry to like what else could this be used for? But we should be concerned about what else this could be used for, especially with like mounting needs for abortion funds as abortions get more and more illegal, um, mounting needs for travel funds for trans people out of states where yeah. it is a death sentence to be trans um, more and more as the days go on. Building up networks that are mm -hmm. free from the internet. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you don't want a lot of this stuff traceable because like we're basically having to form a new underground railroad, which is kind of fucking crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, is a sign of, of one way they'll execute that, but we shouldn't decenter the incredibly vital fight against cop city uh, of the Atlanta forest defenders in order to make those points either. Well, and I think a lot of the points, um, as long as you view it through a lens of land back, they're easily converged because, you know, in an anti-colonial society, trans people are allowed to exist mm -hmm. because heteronormativity isn't enforced along with white supremacy. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there, there's a lot that can be addressed when also using land back just because it fucking also said, oh, yeah, actually, the cops shouldn't put up another outpost to learn how to kill brown kids better. Like, Yeah, and bulldoze a bunch of trees and put it near a school just for good measure. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, not even talking about it, like straight up, just fucking, you know, the simplest thing to me is that fucking we just shouldn't be letting the cops expand. They don't yeah. need to. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 way overfunded, and that and that fund blows. Like it's not, it doesn't even have to be an environmental argument, but because it already benefits it, as long as we go, hey actually fuck you pigs you i know? mean at the at the same time and i totally forgot about this we didn't have this in our current event list um they're pushing in this great like national debt budget cut to further cut like tanf and oh yeah well they've uh, already wick. Like, gutted wick yeah yeah they're gutting like, wick they're trying to i raise. used to get four gallons of milk you know i wasn't mm -hmm. drinking we weren't drinking that you know obviously we we're giving it away somewhat but like <laughs> now we get one yeah we were getting like four pounds of cheese we now get one. Yeah. Um, like, so this this is a massive attack. And, and something I was telling coworkers is you can live in this, even if you lived in this fantasy world where cops were necessary because they were staving off some greater evil or they just weren't these horrible people to kill a thousand people and 3,000 dogs by guns alone, ignoring the car wrecks and the throwing people into poverty and the deaths. Oh, prison. and it, the car wrecks are so messed up because oh. like, there's so many laws that like you can't get any compensation like your insurance. Says, yeah. You. Oh, there's the notorious case in uh, Louisiana a couple years ago where they ran into a mother whose child was fully strapped in the car seat and killed her child. And after she went through the trauma, they charged her with manslaughter for supposedly not having the car seat in properly enough. Um, 
yeah, I'd have to look back up the, the some more details in the story, but I remember those details very explicitly. Um, Holy I mean, fuck. Oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah, and let's, like let's improve that after the crash. Like, ha- do they have... Like, I, no, they can't, but they're cops. They're the source of truth. Nobody fucking questions. Yeah, right? as they, long they as the cop shows up, th- there's like a hierarchy in our mm-hmm. court system that you're just supposed to believe. Them. Yeah, and and in it's it's reinforced by the media. They're the source of of trust to the media. Well, like, and, and sometimes it's like okay if you have like a crazy person in there that's like, why aren't you? Li- <laughs> you know, why aren't you listening to me? It's like, well, you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can uh, swear under oath that you're telling the truth, but you can still lie. You can still lie. It's it's illegal to lie, but you know you're lying about something else that's a legality. You can still well, lie. I, I um, think of this Rick and Morty sketch that fucking mm-hmm. had like the state of Georgia versus some dude, but he like called his lawyer. He said his lawyer was trying to solicit sexual favors. Mm-hmm. And stuff, and the the judge was just like, "I've known him for a while. I don't think that's true." It's like, "Well, okay, that's all you have to do to settle that one, huh?" <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, they 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 of course can lie, and they and even if you ignored that, even if you ignored the fact that they uphold an unequal system that leads to the exacerbation of poverty, if there were some heroes, right? They straight up take funding away from educating kids and feeding poor people and housing people, and they are already the mass bloat One of the budget. Trillion Same thing with the military. Yeah, is what they're planning. Like it's like we spend a trillion dollars on social services. I'm surprised. Yeah, and I, I didn't so, realize there was that much money to even gut. You know? <laughs> no, it does not feel like it, and it is a sliver of what um, you know. The well, we the, spent three trillion on a plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So it was, and I'm I'm suddenly blanking on Lenin's term, the armed um armed something of the bourgeoisie. But whether you're talking about cops or the military, we spend so much more on them than than we do on people, right? Well, I, and, I don't think Lenin realized how much more you could spend on that. <laughs> that's people. true. To be honest, we, uh, we armed guard of the bourgeoisie is what I'm saying. Lot. Oh, armed guard, but. Yeah. Wow, the amount of money we've spent today. Well, because like now people have to even like because uh, we fucked up all of the steel and it's all mm-hmm. radioactive. We have to go scavenge non-radioactive steel now out of fucking old ships Jeez. and shit. So that's just like another cost of war. That's like yeah. At Wait, what point is it not radioactive now? A lot of steel is yeah. Like oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's okay. No, no big deal. For some reason, the citizens aren't really told about that that often, unless it's to complain about China. But mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Um, and speaking of cops and citizens, um, oh, actually, you know what? Before we go into that, uh, let's let's stick to the the land back theme a little bit, or to to attacks on land and um, indigenous people. In this case, uh, there was a sediment spill on wet Sweatin territory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gidmitten. G- I'm so sorry, people. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Freaking Checkpoint posted a lot of videos of it. They, I don't know what work they're doing, but, uh, you know, there's not supposed to be sediment spills because uh, that's where the salmon spawn. So you'll literally fucking murder them all if you fucking crush their eggs. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how that works. Yeah, and so, this is um, this is Gaslink, which is that that's the big. Oh yeah, it's the coastal Canadian. Gaslink. Yeah, they're the ones doing the the big pipeline um, stuff through there, right? 
Yeah. Well, so yeah. what was funny was there was some uh, traditional chief that wouldn't even come to the protest. He just sent somebody to tell them to leave and that they were disrespecting it. And I was like, I don't know. It seems kind of disrespectful to fill the pipeline through it. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'd like to learn more about the history of that tribe and what, who that guy is, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of complexities with our stuff and I'm all for, yeah, we should respect indigenous sovereignty. The issue is we should encourage them to overthrow some bonds of impressions. Yes. You know, like, like it's not enough to just be like, oh, yeah, bring back hereditary chiefs. It's, there's, a, there's a contradiction in that, you know, <laughs> the hereditary part. That's kind of weird. Um, you know, like, yeah, it would be very different. And it's something that needs to be addressed by like a centralized government, blah, blah, blah. That's why I'm not really a fan of the balkanization of the u.s theory or whatever but it's like i understand it could happen i don't really fucking care you know like i expect it to happen because there is so much land Mm, well even if it's it's broken apart it's not like alliances couldn't reform you know exactly well and they're going to based off water and stuff like that and like that's going to be a huge issue i Um, think i think a lot of people that are worried about it not only don't understand how revolution works and how territory tends to happen in, in armed struggle. But, uh, but also they, they, they fetishize the Soviet union and they don't realize like 1917 and 20 or 1921 are not the same year. Like that was the Russian empire was, was broken up to form back together into that. Right. And well, and then in China you have, you know, the communist party Mm -hmm. in control of specific regions. Yeah. Versus the KMT and stuff like that. So you know, you, yeah. You and eventually, the KMT was had to had to run off to Taiwan, but it took still another ten years to get Tibet into to China. Exactly. Too. Like it, yeah. it's pretty obvious that if we're going to have a revolution, it's going to be a little harder than. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's you know fucking overthrow the U.S. in a night, or let's infiltrate and then take them over. Blah 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 blah. But if you, you get know? elected presidential money, dude, you're, you're you're in charge of the whole thing, right? Like, well, you know, <laughs> you can make it a UN issue, and yeah, kind of press the contradictions there, uh, getting liberals involved in a way that's beneficial to you, and then you can couple that with the aim strategy of you know attention grabbing occupations blah 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 there's a bunch of different things to do mm-hmm. you could be doing attention grabbing social work mm-hmm. instead that's a little more safer uh but you know like the, these are the things that like are going to happen more and more yeah and the parties need to figure out how they're going to take advantage of that okay. yeah because the capitalists are not going to let it go to waste. And we can already see that. And they're, they're on the march, um, which I think maybe brings us the next uh, part of the current events. So there are two, one Supreme court ruling that is pending and one that just happened that are big slams. One, one that just happened. That's a the smaller deal, but still a huge deal. Right. Uh, where they're basically have 
said that that striking workers are liable for company losses from uh, cement truck strikers that left wet cement in the trucks. And it was this is not just like, you know, they don't scare me. Are you going to let Trump ruin the Supreme Court? This was not a six to three or a five to four ruling with Trump's little, you know, buddies in the Supreme Court. This was eight to one. The only dissenter that was not against strikers uh, was Kentaji Brown Jackson. Uh, that's she's the only one. Everyone else on the Supreme Court was all about it. And even it might just be Supreme Court speak. But even when Kentaji uh, was saying it, she was basically saying, like, this should go to the NLRB, not strikers should be protected. So the whole fucking thing's reactionary. She was appointed by Biden, though. So that's why that is true for him again next year. (laughs) So one at a time. You can decide that people can have the rights they already have, and eventually that'll be a major- majority. Never He's mind all. Die before. Oh, he definitely is, and, and let alone all the reaction. He's shuddering in. You know, he's he very much is in the vein of of Bill Clinton, where you follow an extreme <laughs> right wing goon that's mocked for being basically ridiculous and foolish. And in, in Reagan, I guess you know Clinton also followed H W Bush um, versus Trump for Biden. And then you pose as the left wing guy and then you grab all of those policies and run them right as fast as possible. Right. I don't think people realize that people have come around to understanding the damage Reagan did, the damage Nixon did, uh, the the fact that Obama was bailing people out, how horrible Trump and Bush were. I don't think people really have wrapped their heads around how right wing and destructive like Clinton did end welfare as we know it. Clinton, well, yeah, of course, people, did put out the two crime bills. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, people think they're actually Democrats, and it's like they're Reaganites. The yeah. Third, yeah. Third way Democrats are Reaganites. Yeah. Like I was, I was careful not to say that that they're slashing welfare. I was saying they're slashing social programs when we were talking about like TANF and WIC getting slashed because welfare does not exist, and people use it as shorthand for all these other programs. But welfare was just taken away. By, by Clinton and, and replaced uh, well, with TANF was it's a replacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TANF, yeah, it's kind of exists, but it's not mm-hmm. really the same thing anymore. No, it's not it's remotely, more heavily yeah. overseen, and it's a little harder to get on than it used to be. Because, like, it, you know, yep. you you don't need, like, they, they want to, like, micromanage certain things. Mm-hmm. You know? like, oh, well, if you have, you know, fucking food a food card then we can limit what foods you can buy blah 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 blah. yeah tanf is is the cobra tanf to welfare is cobra to to health insurance health insurance yeah that's that's what tanf is it's expense or it well it's not it's not very financially helpful and it exists to get you off it but to claim it's there you know like you don't want to get uh what what was the right-wing conspiracy about um, fucking the Cadillac driving welfare queen. No, no, no. Oh. Forget I said anything. Okay, the the immigrants who are, are all on welfare, no, even though they're not allowed to be because no, 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 they're no, no, not no. U.S. citizens. Different than that. It was. Oh, so there's crazy. too many right wing conspiracies. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all centered around welfare for some reason. <laughs> like they'll find one that they like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll fi- they'll find a talking point. Um, oh, oh, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, well, then on Juneteenth, right, there's rumors. Yeah, did did you want to talk about the ICWA ruling before we got into that? Oh, yeah, I forgot we didn't. So uh, the other Supreme Court ruling that's still pending is, and I'm glad that they need to discuss it this long, mm-hmm. um, f- uh, over ICWA, or the Indian Child Welfare Act. I'm about to release an episode on the main feed um, with some of the lawyers discussing it. And then we'll be doing a follow-up interview with them um, on what it means going forward for uh, uh, like us as Indian people mainly, um, because it, it what the Indian Child Welfare Act does is it prevents um, the adoption of Indigenous kids by white people without um, first looking for like a foster care or adopt a, a family member or, you know, some, somebody to adopt the child um, that's in their culture. And that's really important because uh, when you come to another land, start murdering people and then start adopting out their kids that's an act of genocide as you replace their culture and try to extinguish us or assimilate us um you know uh there's a lot of different examples like the boarding schools is where a lot of this history comes out of um there was this common practice of poor white people in north dakota uh like they would uh the boarding schools would send out like cleaning squads pretty fucked up <laughs> and then eventually once the boarding schools started to um you know uh fail i guess they were like well let's adopt them and so they would adopt the maids to be live-in maids and then the state would pay them for taking care of them quote unquote you know mm-hmm. it's like mm, that's a it's a weird practice and i mean like we're talking you know your average Joe. Yeah, and well, and let's not let's not forget that this is something that's been upheld through immigration over the years, and so this is just pivoting it back towards um, indigenous people within the borders. Is you know a, a lot of deportations and, and illegal immigrants aren't people that like just cross the border. Like is is the 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 idea in a lot of right wingers' heads? They're people that have lived here for years, and they're visa or the green card is out and they're having trouble applying for another one because it takes a long time and then they get deported and then their kids are left behind right um and if those kids are not legal adults they can then get adopted or get taken in by the state um so yeah and well there was even the specific instance with one uh trump did a state of the union speech and pointed out the the parents you know adopting an immigrant kid or something of some military family um, I can't remember what year it was. It was really fucking gross. <laughs> so, you know, this is this is genocide and it's it's terrifying and it's up in the air per the very, very reactionary Supreme Court right now. Uh, and, it, you know, the only communist publication I've seen say anything about it is uh, Unity Struggle Unity. They're tiny, you know, like... This is happening right now. 
Mm -hmm. We have a new underground railroad forming for trans people who are Mm -hmm. on the table for genocide. Our children are about to go back on the table for genocide, which then worries me about what that's going to signal to uh, the South Dakota governor, Christy Nome, who uh, only in 2020 threatened us with fucking uh, the National Guard for having COVID checkpoints. Mm-hmm. We just checked your temperature. Yeah. <laughs> and asked where you were headed. Yeah. And which again is a good reminder for all those like said, God, there's the, there's the Robert F. Kennedy stands and stuff too. all those, all those supposedly left-wing people that were all, you know, anti-vax and COVID denialists. It's like, look how the ruling class, I mean, they just also passed mask regulations in government centers, not hospitals, but in government centers in Connecticut, because they're very much protecting themselves. They've said the whole time COVID is deadly, but good luck fucking die everyone else. Right. Um, and I think with that, probably we're, this is a long, um, current half event. the episode, half the episode. And we still got to touch a couple other things. Wasn't it just one more? Uh, well, there's Davenport and then, I don't oh, know. Fuck. Yeah. I don't know if we have enough details on. Okay. Yeah. Well, skip. Juneteenth, with Juneteenth coming up, we're just going to say, keep your eye out for proud boys because supposedly they're planning something for Juneteenth. They tend to do stuff in DC and Portland. And obviously they're the fucking proud boys. And the only place I've seen report on it, but during pride month, they went to report on this as a threat to Juneteenth in spite of how the proud boys have been attacking trans people and, you know, drag shows and stuff like that is LGBTQ nation. And if they're reporting this towards Juneteenth and not towards drag shows, it shows that they're, you know, obviously they keep their eye on the proud boys there and, it shows there's a very big concern. So keep your eye out for some kind of terror or quote unquote protest or whatever brought on by the proud boys at, at Juneteenth and be ready to, you know, assemble in opposition to it. Um, and organize. I don't know. I said assemble like the fucking Avengers organize in opposition. Avengers <laughs> assemble. <laughs> um, but the, the other thing I want to talk about is in Davenport, Iowa. So this is one of the quad cities, um, which I'll be honest, I, I don't live far from, and I only know it as the quad city areas because of minor league baseball teams that have to do with the major league baseball team in town, but it's not far. It's uh right where, you know, Iowa hits Illinois and it's, it's, it's a, not a huge area, probably about as big metropolitan as, as a state capital, but there's four different cities, you know, involved in there. And one of them is Davenport, Iowa. And in Davenport, Iowa, a building kind of known as the Davenport Hotel, um, but it's really, you know, an uh, apartment complex, um, low income apartment complex had collapsed and there was still five people inside and, and, and you know, people and pets missing and being reported as missing and they were set to demolish it and there were not crews going into to, to rescue people you know, a bunch, there were cops outside blocking off protesters with snipers on top of buildings for protesters screaming, like, you know, to go in and find the missing, because usually when a building collapses, there's like a week or two where rescue efforts happen until they find everyone or it's just been too long and no one would survive it. And then they might demolish the building for safety and then go through and, and look for survivors and, 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 or look for, you know, bodies and things like that. Obviously survivors is a rescue effort misspoke there but um but this was like two days and they were ready to demolish it and they had a press conference at city hall where they brought in some 
you know, obviously white supremacist lady claiming she had a cousin in there and, and that, you know, it would honor her cousin to take the building down and, and they were pushing against it. It was just a bunch of, of horse shit. And they were keeping protesters outside of city hall um, for this announcement. Um, so people were, you know, surrounding city hall as well as the building itself. And eventually they, they back down and they are going to resume rescue efforts. And throughout this whole thing, you've seen stuff like, People have been able to archive uh, or look through the archives of internet pages. And so you can look in the Davenport, Iowa, in the archives of, of the pages, and they had found that there was an inspection that was passed um, had on the 25th per the city for this building. And now it's it's saying it was failed and I guess just didn't have time to be repaired, but it's obviously changed. So they're covering tracks and shit. I mean, it's very covering your tracks. And some people believe it's from paint, which can have a detrimental detrimental effect on bricks um, and, and brick siding um, and can cause, you know, this sort of collapse. Uh, Wild. What? Yeah. I don't know how the paint thing works, but there are people that know more than me that have said that that's a major issue. So I'm just trusting that. <laughs> this is like a... So many gentrifier artworks graffiti quote-unquote graffitis where just the landlord paid some person to graffiti up their building with some white people art to so they could raise the rent and like it's all brick siding yeah Yeah. so it's 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 been bad uh there was specifically a, a woman named lisa brooks who is among uh the people that were in there who had hidden in her bathtub because, you know, there was loud noises, things were collapsing. She didn't know what to do. She wanted, you know, to be safe, couldn't evacuate. And then she was like screaming out her window. I'm in here. Someone help me. Um, while like her nephew and stuff were down in the crowd with the snipers over the rooftop and the cops, you know, keeping people away. And people were screaming like, you know, go in there and get her. There was one person that was rescued the night before the big press conference in the set demolition day, um, which I believe was, two days ago would have been the 30th um, that, you know, <laughs> excuse me. So they were set to demolish it on the 30th, but they had rescued someone like just the night before. So it was very clear that there was still people in there. And now they're saying, you know, suddenly they realized there was five people that may still be missing. So rescue efforts have resumed. And I remember looking up the city because I'd seen the stuff on social media about it. And I looked up, the news stuff on Bing and all the results were like rescue efforts underway and worries about building needing to be demolished because further collapse. And so, you know, they were just greasing the fucking skids and all the talking points. It was grotesque and pathetic. Um, and as well as terrifying. I mean, and the $300 fine. Yes. And that was where I alluded to fines before. Through all of this, the building owner is has a three hundred dollar fine. Yeah, I didn't know really how to say that, but it's pretty disgusting. That's yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, we're talking it's about people being thrown away in prison for ten years for being forest defenders, and then other people being arrested supposedly for money laundering, um, for you know running the bail fund, and meanwhile, the owner of this building is getting like police and mayor cover up. And there was some misinformation that the mayor was one of the people invested in this building. It was a mayor from one of the other cities in the quad city area. 
Uh, but nonetheless, you know, these landlords own this building and the building owner gets a $300 fine through all of this and they're ready to demolish it to cover for them. I mean, that's, that's capitalism in a nutshell right there. It's like, how important is that guy to the economy? <laughs> Liquidate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Speaking of liquidation, there's a nation of orchids. No, sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, orcas are tipping boats um, in Gibraltar. In Gibraltar, yachts. Let's be specific. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yachts. The boats that, and we were talking about this during COVID. Like it, you know, not only did they keep planes flying, I guess, because even though no one was on them, because it's cheaper to fly all the planes than just have the direct flights. Because so many rich people way. just jumped on a boat, and so many, yeah, and and cruise lines were like the ultimate COVID spreader because you were contained in a small area. Well, no, but we're not talking about like cruise ships when we say yachts. Yeah. When we say yachts, we're talking about small scale mm. private yachts. You know, they might employ a crew of like three to five people at most, you know, depending on how big it is. Might be a 15 person ship if it's huge. I mean, like Bezos, I'm sure. Yeah. If he, if he has to destroy, you know, fucking... <laughs> architecture that's been there forever in order to get his shit out i'm sure there's oh yeah well and then he also put the big statue of his his uh, girlfriend on the front of the boat he's just fucking opulence king um that's, while he flies his penis rocket that's amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's ridiculous but um but anyway what i was gonna say is is like cruise ships were like the super spreader events and so cruise ships went down but rich people still got on these yachts and they all, all all kinds of yachts and along with the planes yachts were one of and of course the bitcoin mining yachts were one of the big big contributors to climate change like if we just got rid of all the yachts it would make an incredible difference on, on you don't even have to get rid of the yacht you just have to make the rich people outfit them with green technology like you, <laughs> you could still have a them. yacht People have sailed boats. Well, no. Now there's like wind turbine boats, which oh. are basically sailboats, but with a fan. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's really funny that we're like, oh, wind powered boats again. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. What an invention. We could have just <laughs> skipped a step, I guess. You know, like, I, I bet you if somebody like looks into it, We'll find out that they're like, just like with cars, you know, the cars yeah. that run on water and logs and shit. Like, I'm sure there's like some fucking boats. I mean, there's the steamboat, obviously. Yeah. But I'm sure there's much better technology that could have been safer that we can do now, if not back then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But if you get into the, the real retro Mark's Madness hours, we can talk about how Nathan talked about. Uh, when he like saw directly the corn lobby getting the whole ethanol and gasoline oh. thing, and that's not environmentally sound at all. That was just so the corn industry could have something else to sell. I love that. There's a D, like a who's that DPRK defector? Park Yum? No. Anyway, the famous one. She's like always. Oh. Uh, oh. Yum. Um, Park. Yanmi yeah. Park. There we go. I just switched it up. Oops. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so freaking uh 
it's her and she's like in the uh, in the united states uh, all gasoline you can't get normal gasoline all gasoline is cut with <laughs> corn because of corn lobby <laughs> <laughs> i'm like that's true <laughs> yeah she it's the first time in her life she said something true no that she never said it it was just a no. meme this is a meme. Uh, okay uh <laughs> you wish god um but anyway with that i think we can finally get into the reading 35 minutes into oh this. no orcas are oh are yeah organizing yacht tipping. yes yes it's so Please, like, all power to the orcas, and please organize better than oh, a whale. Well, all I'm saying is indigenous people called this shit. <laughs> I was out in the Northwest. And I've talked about it a lot of times, the Lummi. Um, the orcas, they call the people under the water. Mm. And they have a lot of respect. They only eat the animal when it dies and washes up on shores. And it's to honor the animal. And a lot of times they'll find them you know, when they beach and a lot of their songs comes from the heartbeats of these whales. Oh, so fascinating. So like, like when you hear them sing their songs, it's like, when did they get this song from? Like, was it from a whale's heart? You know, like that's fucking crazy shit. And it's like, uh, they went on this coast to coast journey with a totem pole. And while in Miami, uh, similarly a boat hit a calf and um the mother uh like for like four days without eating was pushing the calf around the boats and uh like piers showing humans her dead calf and so like the medicine man that was with them says he thinks it was trying to show us the crimes of humanity yeah yeah well orcas are smart they are they are easily the smartest hunters. Um, in yeah, I mean, like they are brilliant, and yeah. So I well, I they're like they're people. No reason they're yeah. not. They're not. There's animals. no reason they can't like, upkeep socially. Yeah, blue whales go on a concert tour around the world to other yeah. whales. Like that's crazy. They make a new song every year. Yeah. So it's like that's culture. That's literally culture. You have octopuses like making fucking towns out of our garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, ah. mm-hmm. and again, in, 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 in all these instances, like animals, animals are smarter and more social than they get credit for. And orcas are, are on the top of that list. They are brilliant. You do not. I mean, they have like ones. races. <laughs> like they straight up, yeah. like very much segregate themselves. <laughs> Well, you know, they like love South Africa and yeah. America. Wow, they really like the segregated countries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But uh okay, we should probably do the reading in the yes, last let's do the reading. So I'll I'll start here. Uh Gramsci reminds us uh how however that even this extraordinary degree of organic unity and this was, remember, we were talking about the three different phases of hegemony. So it started with, um, there was like a corporate, there was a class corporate phase, there's an economic corporate phase, a class corporate phase, and then hegemony. Um, Gramsci reminds us, however, that even this extraordinary degree of organic unity does not guarantee the outcome of specific struggles, which can be won or lost on the outcome of decisive ta- of the decisive tactical issue of the military and politico-military relations of force. 
He insists, however, that politics must have priority over its military aspect, and only politics create the possibility for maneuver and movement. Three points about this formulation should be particularly noted. First, hegemony is a very particular, historically specific, and temporary moment in the life of society. It is rare for this degree of unity to be achieved, enabling a society to set itself a, a quite new historical agenda under which the leadership of a specific formation or constellation of social, social forces. Oh, I don't know why I felt like that sentence was going to go on when that was the whole sentence. <laughs> such as periods of settlement are unlikely to persist forever. There is nothing automatic about them. They have to be actively constructive and positively maintained, actively constructed and positively maintained. Crises mark the beginning of their disintegration. Second, we must take note of the multidimensional, multi-arena character of hegemony. It cannot be constructed or sustained on one front of struggle alone, for example, the economic. It represents a degree of mastery over a whole series of different positions at once. Mastery is not simply imposed or dominative in character. Effectively, it results from winning a substantial degree of popular consent. It thus represents the installation of a profound measure of social and moral authority, not simply over its immediate supporters, but across society as a whole. It is this authority and the range of diversity of sites of which leadership is exercised, which makes possible the propagation for a time of an intellectual, moral, political, and economic collective will throughout society. Third, what leads in a period of hegemony is no longer described as a ruling class in the traditional language, but as a historic block. This has its critical reference to class as a determining level of anal analysis, but it does not translate whole classes directly into political ideological stage as unified historical actors. The leading elements in a historic block may be only one fraction of the dominant economic class, for example, finance rather than industrial capital, national rather than international capital. Associated within the block will be a strata of the subaltern and dom dominated classes who have been won over by specific concessions and compromises and whom form part of the social constellation, but in a subordinate role. The winning over of these sections is a result of the forging of expansive universalizing alliances, which cement the historic block under a particular leadership. Each hegemonic formation will thus have its own specific social composition and configuration. This is a very different way of conceptualizing what is often referred to loosely and inaccurately as the ruling class. And that's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm now thinking a little deeper of application of the three stages versus today, right? And what represents hegemony versus what is not, because it seems almost like hegemony is a better understanding of what people will say fascism is. And we talked about last time, Gramsci maintains fascism is just liberalism, which yeah. Um, well, I'd argue that fascism is the hegemony right now, and it started back when settler colonialism first <laughs> began in the United States. <laughs> I don't, well, yeah. like when the United States sort of takes on its own project, right, where you have this um, separation, because if it is liberalism, basically, I mean, that's well, a big, you know, turn. 
Yeah, temporary doesn't mean very very quick necessarily either. Well, yeah, it but like it's it's got a, a finite amount of time. It, it yeah occurs. yeah temporary in a human sense is yeah <laughs> is not not scaled. You know, my nation is ten thousand years old. Yeah, I have a different conception. Sure. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but I'm thinking in this sense where it distinctifies versus like you know the the class corporate or economic corporate, right? Is where things fall in like the Cold War versus like what 9-11 did to things because I, I don't know. I know I'm I'm a little older than you should money too. I don't know how old you are, Prez, even in like decade ranges, but I'm I'm 37, so I very explicitly from my high school days remember like the Freedom Fries bullshit. And hey, I remember that too. Well, I, and, and what things were, you know, before that, like used to be military commercials where you had to have like a, a lava goblin and a cool yeah, sword fight. The, and Shooting the dragon. Yeah. Or, yeah. No, exactly. I guess it was a sword fight with the dragon. <laughs> it had to be like these really vague, you know, commercials to like rah, rah stuff up and still, you know, not very many people signed up and stuff. And then you have nine 11 happens and all of a sudden, like everybody's ready to sign up, and you can basically just tell them, you like, like go Pearl kill Harbor. some Muslims and 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 sign up. And they're like, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. Well, it's you a know. replication of the frontier theory, right? Like you've created a new Indian to go and exterminate, mm-hmm. and whites love doing that. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's that's constant, right? That's that's immigrants. It's it's a uh, uh, communist. It's uh, West Asian, yeah, yeah. Um, West, West Asian, Asian people, especially post nine eleven, but even before then, like the propaganda against well, you East know Asian Iran, people during Pearl Harbor. Yes, Vietnam. I mean, mm-hmm. what is that? Mark Wahlberg did. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. He like head. tried to. Yeah, he he wanted to to kill somebody, beat the shit out of an Asian guy, and yeah. like I think he poured acid on him or something too. He was, was some crazy shit like that. Yeah, and he know. just gets to be a big star now. Fucking Marky Mark gets to do whatever he wants. Marky Mark is the funky bunch. Yeah, you know, I just mm. feel the good vibration. <laughs> he with Nathan. God, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so. uh where were we? We were uh, we were on Graham. She was not, of course, the originator of the. It's been a while. Project. I haven't I haven't yeah. read the book. Let me take over. Here. <laughs> sure, sure. Graham. She was not, of course, the originator of the term hegemony. Uh, Lenin used it in an analytical sense to refer to the leadership which the proletariat in Russia was required to establish over the peasantry in the struggles to found a socialist state. This, in itself, is of interest. One of the key questions posed for us by the study developing societies, which have not passed through the classic path of development to capitalism, which Marx took as his paradigm case in capital, that is the English example. Shut up. Yeah, I like, <laughs> like talk about England. Shut up. <laughs> is the who do you, who's reading this book? Who's reading this book that's like Oh, I don't know what he's talking about. Is <laughs> <laughs> the balance of and relations between different social classes in the struggle for national and economic development. I mean, they, they could have, you know, been confused if he was talking about like uh, industrial capital and, and stuff like that specifically. So I, I get what the English example I, I clarifies, guess. but it just does seem a little weird. 
I'm like, I thought it was in capital after saying Karl Marx. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a book. You know that book that guy wrote? wrote. Yeah, I don't know. What is it? Should I read it? No. Um, you should listen to the first season of Marx Madness. Anyway, yeah, real retro Marx Madness hours. The, the, are you retro yet? I don't think that counts. No, I don't think we are. I'm just being really sarcastic. <laughs> the relative insignificance of the industrial proletariat narrowly defined in societies characterized by a relatively low level of industrial development and above all the degree to which the peasant class is a leading element in the struggles which found the national state and even in some cases china is the outstanding example but cuba and vietnam are also significant examples the leading revolutionary class so for you patriotic socialists who don't know who Fanon is, I guess. I yeah. mean, I mean, this is Len like Lenin conceptualized needing to work with the peasants, right? And then Mao goes and leads an entire peasant country to fucking revolution. Just fucking's like, what's up? We're here. Well, I mean, like you know, who you're talking knows about- what would have happened if they never went revisionist under yeah. Dang or whatever? But like. They survived the collapse of the USSR. You you talk about um, oh yeah, and that that's such a stupid what happened. Like oh yeah, there was yeah. a there was a what would happen. It's the Sino-Soviet split, and that comes more on Khrushchev than than China. Yeah, exactly. Um, blame blame the actual revisionist. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, um, we were talking about you're talking about Fanon, and he explicitly goes on like the the pompous socialists that come down from France in the urban area who don't understand the struggle versus the peasants who are socialist and understand the struggle and don't want to hear it from the metropolitan uh, Marxists in the cities. You know, he goes on about that for a while. Yeah, I mean, Fanon is flame and a lot of people criticize him. Um, because there's obviously some refinement needed. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he didn't, no, he didn't no go period. on to lead the yeah. country. He became a psychiatrist. Yeah. You know, like, cool. Just a regular <laughs> dude. Just who wants to do his job. Like, after the revolution, I would want to continue to cook. Mm-hmm. I would just like to receive the full fruits of my labor. That's it. <laughs> um, so anyway, freaking, yeah. Pay attention to fucking Gramsci, you idiots. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Not idiots. Just Pat Socha's are idiots. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe them without being even meaner. <laughs> it was in this sort of context that Gramsci first employed the term hegemony. In hegemony? I don't know. Hegemony? Hegemony? Hegemony. Okay. So, <laughs> hegemony. I don't know why my brain did that, but. In his unfinished 1926 notes on the Southern question, he argued that the proletariat in Italy could only become the leading class insofar as it succeeds in creating a system of alliances which allows it to mobilize the majority of the working population against capitalism and the bourgeois state, which, well, ellipses then, which means to the extent that it succeeds in gaining the consent of the broad peasant masses. A lot of people are like, do we have a peasantry? right now well you know one of the things they kind of like dictated was a large industrial development and we kind of like sent all of our industry overseas 
So technically speaking, we're kind of going in a aggressive state. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 a long time ago, it's one of the, the Mark's badness things that, that, uh, I, I've noticed there's more than one thing I've said on this podcast over the years that have been taken a completely different direction than I clearly meant when I said them by Pat Socha's. But one of the things I, I really regret saying was I was trying to distinctify that we have colonized people and most of the working class is colonized people, but the colonized people have to drive things the way the peasants have driven things in other revolution. It comes down to the most oppressed classes. And so I made a comparison to them being the sickle and the hammer and sickle. And then suddenly it became a Pat Soch talking point that obviously alludes to like white working class or whatever the fuck versus, you know, peasantry. And oh, stuff they're like the that. hammer. They're yeah. The, the whites are the hammer. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, there's yeah. no proletarians and any other race. Okay. Yeah. That's the way they took it when it was really like, you have to understand that the larger part of your revolution is the more deeply, oppressed classes and you cannot have that revolution without them and we've known that since the soviet union yeah the before you start just the important thing from gramsci that we're gonna see is that he does write about how class collaboration can and has to change over time for a successful revolution or even just kind of any counter they say he says counter hegemonic movement. So you're going to not have certain classes after a period of time. And you're also going to have changes within the classes that you shouldn't be stuck on trying to maintain the same. Uh, right. Peasantry is a useless term. Yeah. yeah. Or even just the proletariat changes. So now we have sure. all this stupid argument about whether, uh, baristas, blah, blah, blah. whether or not baristas. And honestly, even if I'm going to take them as, yeah, they are not actual workers, it doesn't fucking matter because you still need to join. Yep. <laughs> still have to still have to work with them. Still have yeah, to work with them. They, you want just, us to work with MAGA. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not just uh, dishonest and untrue and a concession we don't have to give them. But even if it was, it doesn't change our actions we shouldn't be running to maga we should be like upholding the the struggle of the baristas anyway we, like doesn't like mark say we should fucking support progressive shit like that like <laughs> i'm pretty sure there's a quote yeah support yeah, marxism I mean, leninism baristaism <laughs> yeah i need my fucking coffee no i mean like there's a lot of criticisms to have a starbucks i think we should definitely nationalize it and like utilize their distribution networks for other things other than coffee beans. Yeah, there's there's an interesting because again, things change and culture changes, right? Is there's no necessity for communally served food, but people are very used to I mean, that, that restaurants are very much a part of the culture within the borders and shared meals, shared community meals. I would argue no, that is a necessity. I would <laughs> Wait, what? What are you going to say? I just said, don't start that debate here. There's that whole thing about what the restaurants are going to exist under socialism. <laughs> well, yeah, that's part of this fucking stupid discourse, right? But yeah. I would argue that they would, and it's 
gonna mm-hmm. be different like just don't pay like i don't know i don't know like the state would pay me you know when yeah and the, the workers would make whatever. real wages and they would have real protections and to be able to strike if uh, against things that customers are treating well, them like shit but, i mean that's even like really early on the conceptualization of this question right like yeah they're, they're talking like full-on communism stateless classless society right and it's like there's so many cultures that just did communal feeds like that. Pretty much. Yeah, it would be a restaurant, you know. Yeah. Like so like a lot of them now, a lot of those cultures when they come to America, they do turn it into restaurant, which I kind of think is, you know, capitalism it modifying would, everything, you know, but it would look more do? like those church picnics without the side games or the the $15 for your fried chicken. Why can't you have the side games though? Oh yeah. yeah, okay, that's true. But the, the not <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> well, that, that that's my argument is I do think there is a necessity to that communal feeding uh, when mm-hmm. you think about humanity. Oh, I like I would say I there's an evolutionary completely. argument to communal feeding, literally cooking mm-hmm. food, leading to our advancement in that. It it would evolution. also be. It would also be a far more. But but the reason I was saying that is because a lot of people don't have cooking skills because society is built out where oh, like, yeah, yeah i'm a i'm a professional <laughs> yeah exactly and so that Look, would be this is how i make my money really <laughs> helpful for tons and tons of people you would just have to accommodate like dietary restrictions and things like that um but communal meals would be you know a huge thing and that that to me brings communities together in fact some of the people you're closest friends with if you've ever you know volunteered for these things people of radically different backgrounds and ages and stuff you're merely friends with when you work these picnics and stuff i Community meals would be the same way. Anyway, sorry, Brez, you hadn't spoke up much today, and then we just stomped right over your please don't do that debate because we just did that debate, but we were all on the same side. Well, it wasn't really a debate, right? We're, we're yeah, asserting, it was a discussion to us. <laughs> we're asserting the Chunkaludo line on, on a, a re, the restaurant debate. And now yeah. let's talk about pizzas. No. <laughs> yes. So, sorry, Brez. sandwich. Sorry, President, I can take back over the reading now before we get to pizza sandwiches. In fact, this is already a theoretically complex and rich formulation. Not the restaurants, what we were talking about with Gramsci. Uh, No, it's the restaurants. It's the restaurants. The book forms to us. Uh, It implies that the actual social or political force, which becomes decisive in a moment of organic crisis, will not be composed of a single homogenous class, but will have a complex social composition. People really, really soak that last sentence in. Um, Second, it is implicit that the basis of unity will have to be not an automatic one, given its position in the mode of economic production, but rather a system of alliances. Third, though such a political and social force has its roots in the fundamental class division of society, the actual forms of the political struggle will have a wider social character, dividing society not simply along class versus class lines, but rather polarizing it along the broadest front of antagonism, the majority of the working population. For example, between all the popular classes on the one side and those representing the interests of capital and the power block grouped on around the state on the other the fact that national and ethnic struggles in the modern world the actual field of struggle is often actually polarized precisely in this more complex and differentiated way the difficulty is that it often continues to be described theoretically 
in terms which reduce the complexity of its actual social composition to the more simple descriptive terms of a struggle between two apparently simple and homogenous class blocks. Further, Gramsci's reconceptualization puts firmly on the agenda such a critical strategic questions as the terms on which a class like the peasantry can be won for a national struggle, not on the basis of compulsion, but on the basis of winning their consent. Winning their consent. Well, and a lot of that, like, uh, oh, Prez was. I was just going to say, did we get what the definition of power block is out of that or should we make it more clear um let's clarify a little bit for the listener just to be sure so the power block is also by gramsci we're going to see that in the actual writings of him and it's essentially just his idea of the group that has won consent at that period of time and their power in that moment so like I actually can't think of an example right away. Well, but let's say like Trump's little faction for a little yeah, while. And yeah, it's not. Yeah, and conversely, conversely, on on our side, we talked about the very temporal support, but there was mass support um, during the George Floyd protests for Black Lives Matter and burning down police precincts. I like on the that other one side. better. That's a. Better. That's not a power block, though. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So that's a well, that's a counter hegemonic movement. Mm, okay, okay, so the power block refers power blocks on the side of hegemonic. Yeah, the, the power the, the power, power block is uh, the part of the hegemony that is directly in power. Yeah, yeah, David, the fucking people in power. Duh, David. duh. Um, why it's the so power where, block? Where would cops fit into this? Because the power like, block. Been like, oh, cops don't own capital. They have unions. They're working hard. Well, then well, we're gonna have to jump ahead, right? Yeah, well, they're we kind of already covered it, right? But we're gonna we'd have to jump to jump ahead to Althusser, mm. who then okay. talks about who clarifies Gramsci's whole thing and then talks about what the cops are, and he calls them the repressive state apparatus. So they're the they're the branch of the state that maintains hegemony through force. Gotcha. So this is how these terms came to be. Wow. <laughs> Wild. I'm now learning. Wow, so, this is so like being power, in school, but I like it. Yeah, would a power block be more like the military-industrial complex then? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying. That, that would be, so. If we're going to use the military metaphor, mm-hmm. the power block is the, the military, military leadership complex. that is all over the news and in in like the political structure itself. Gotcha. Military-industrial like complex is the economic system. No, I was just making yeah, it comes out of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I you're just explaining. I thought you heard my joke where I went the military industrial complex. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. right. Kind of. to, to wrap well, up, here, this- we're in the theory complex, theory industrial complex. That's right. <laughs> um, to to wrap up this this page in the course of his later writings, Gramsci went on to expand the conception of hegemony even further moving forward from this essentially class alliance way of conceptualizing it. First, hegemony becomes a general term, which can be applied to the strategies of all classes, applied analytically to the formation of all leading historical blocks, but not to the strategy of the proletariat alone. In this way, he converts the concept into a more generic analytic term. Its applicability in the more general way is obvious. 
the way, for example, which in South Africa, the state is sustained by the forging alliances between white ruling class interests and the interests of the white workers against the blacks. Or the importance in South African politics of the attempts to win the consent of certain subaltern classes and groups, for example, the colored strata of tribal blacks and the strategy of forging alliances against the mass rural and industrial blacks or the mixed class character of all the decolonizing struggles for national independence in developing post-colonial society. These and a host of other concrete historical situations are significantly clarified by the development of this concept. Um, and that is where we'll lead off this week. Um, it does. There is a sentence in there that made me think a little more about, cause you were talking about Trump and, and the following there as a. Well, yeah, you think lot. about it. It's a, you know, an alliance between mm -hmm. a fucking billionaire convincing a bunch of stooges. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> anywhere, and it's, it's anywhere from poor white people to petty bourgeois and management class white people primarily to, but it's not one class. It's leveraging or it's a, a big divide. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, and it's leveraging well, white supremacy. Yeah. We want to talk about how like Trump won all of these stooges, but this is the thing about fascism. I, I think I don't think Trump is fascism yet. Um, if we're using like the old. Sure. things of fascism that well, right, like when we're going like to see in Gramsci but the whole thing of fascism with Gramsci and then Palancis who you guys, I keep saying you guys should read but the whole I, I have read some, I'm reading him <laughs> I still don't know how to pronounce his name off the top of my head ever Palancis, Palancis. Palancis. Um, the whole name. conception of fascism with that branch of Marxism, which I am inclined to agree with, is that fascism is the contradictory, but nonetheless, it is the class alliance between the petty bourgeois and monopoly capital. Sure. And we can get into the whole ideology of fascism another day that is right out of uh, Palancis, like names the six different ideological uh, bases of fascism. But Trump isn't quite fascism yet, but we had, you know, the groundwork of meeting this definition. So, and we had uh, that. It really depends on when you draw your conclusion of monopoly capitalism or morumbund capitalism, as Lenin would call it. <laughs> Morumbund. Yeah. Morumbund. I don't know how to More bound. More bound. Is that, is that as? Yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm dumb. <laughs> Hey, I sounded hey, no, it out. You learned, you learned by reading. And I people sounded not it out. <laughs> people, I, I run into this with when, when I've called niche niche before. Like, if you learn by reading, you shouldn't be shamed for that. <laughs> yeah, so whatever. I well, read the book. So even, we don't have to get into the monopoly capitalism argument tonight, but or today for you guys. But if we just take monopoly capitalism at the base thing that just assume we all understand... The whole thing about petty bourgeois alliance is that there's some stupid ass perception that fascism is going to get rid of monopoly capital because it's going to return to the free market. Um, and I mean, we can look at that and see that today where you have all of this like anti-establishment idea 
that the government's getting in the way and we need to return to the free market because they're actually subsidizing all of these people. And the whole thing about all of this ideology is that it's contradictory. It doesn't have to make sense. And hegemony doesn't ever have to make sense to be in charge. But if we look at like the voting base of Trump, it's not actually these poor, stupid, poor schmucks. The average income of a Trump voter was like 90,000. Yeah, it was way higher than those are often the, the biggest stooges, of, though. Yeah, that I yeah. To. Like when oh, I yeah, say they, stooge, I'm talking to somebody that's easily manipulated by shit like keto diet and shit like that. I'm like, <laughs> live, laugh, love, live, laugh, well, love. The, the reason why I'm going into this is that I'm hesitant to use that kind of phrasing for these people because we're going to be reading all about ideology mm. and what the conclusion we're hopefully going to get to is that ideology, everyone's a stooge within it. Yeah, uh, It's contradictory. It doesn't actually have to lend itself to anything. Not me. I'm not a stooge. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only three people who aren't. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, that that's a good point, though. Like a lot of those, you know, Trump followers and, uh, you know, they don't actually think that like, uh, what if – what if false rape accusations are, are going to destroy the the very fabric of society or, you know, what the, the, um, the uh, Kermit Kermit. No, I, but that's, that's kind of the thing they okay. allude to, but like Kermit, the frog fucking voiced man himself, Peterson is, <laughs> uh, is the ultimate Marx expert and can argue down these, like, they don't care that you I can say the manifesto. Yeah. You could, you could say some shit that is obviously bullshit to everyone. And they will swear on their life it's true and clap for it because it's in their interest. So there is definitely an interest there, even if the interest well, is, is just it? they picked that ideology and it seems convenient. Was it Sartre or was it Lucerto who was like, um, you know, don't give them the time because they're just amusing themselves? I think that was Lucerto. I don't think that was Sartre. Well, yeah, well, whoever. That was um, yeah, that sounds more like Lacerdo's. I, I mean, again, I can't think of the exact quote, so I'm guessing a little bit, but that sounds more yeah, like Yeah, I kind of remember off the top of my head. I don't read them a lot. I should, but <laughs> the press uh, is always honest about reading this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, there, there's plenty of times that, that, you know, people are eating up obvious bullshit, and you're like, well, how could you be stupid enough to fall for this? But they're not. They're saying it really loud. You know, it's like the, the people that are overt neo-Nazis and they're like screaming at Democrats for supporting Nazis in Ukraine. They don't want to stop that war and they don't care that we're funding Nazis. They just want to say the Democrats are evil so the Republicans can get in and like slash all the the protections against trans people or protections for trans people and gay people and stuff like that. And then they'll just continue, you know, the war in Ukraine anyway. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, don't, <laughs> don't just Hank Hill moment. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Cue that theme music for the outro. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, with that. Um, oh, plugs. I haven't done this plugs. in forever. I forget yes, how podcasts work. Uh, I guess I'm in charge now. Uh, and, uh, we're Mark's Madness on this show uh but overall it's the chunkaluta network we have many shows such as decolonized buffalo bands of turtle island that's going to become just the chunkaluta podcast 
Um, uh, upstream is tangentially on board. Um, uh, yeah, I've been talking to some Twitch streamers too. I don't know. There's a bunch of different stuff. I'm doing a Twitch stream now too, where I read a lot of ancient alien stuff annoyingly. Um, and, uh, we're going to be doing other social media. I, I got my main account banned on Twitter, so that's no longer a thing. But you can follow us <laughs> at Chunkaluta1973 or at Mark's Madness Pod. Uh, <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's gonna that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> nice. I did a lot of mutual aid on that account and was very successful. So that's mm. a little upsetting. Yeah. Um anyway, uh what else do we have? Oh, there's a Patreon that if you like the work that we're doing, you can support us at. That's called uh, Zucato Tin Can. I think there's mm-hmm. no S in it. Um, uh, and so uh, the, that goes to a lot of different things. Uh, the first $500 just, uh, you know, like pays for me to live, pays some bills and goes to some groceries and diapers and stuff. Um, and then we make some other money on top of that. Um, and then, like I said, we had Wick, but it's been gutted, so that kind of hurts a lot. I'm gonna have to get a job. I don't know. It's gonna suck. Uh, no, I'm hoping my garden will pay off, and I don't know. I don't know. It's stressful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> otherwise, you can send uh, one-time donations if you're that kind of person. Uh, to Zicato's Tin Can on Cash App or Z- at Zicato on Venmo. Um, you don't have to. Uh, uh, we have a Sundance coming up. Uh, that's what we're raising money for. So that's why I'm mentioning this. Uh, I should have said that. And we're trying to have, pe- have people meet in person and uh, experience uh, Chete Shakoing culture firsthand. At a very legit, uh, <laughs> like I, I don't know, it's a it's a, another experience that's kind of very unique that is kind of hard to explain. Besides saying that, yeah, no, after after you go to it, you're gonna be like, no, yeah, that's an Indian, you know. <laughs> it's pretty stereotypic. Um, besides, like, you know, we'll use a chainsaw because fuck hatcheting giant trees jesus anyway but yeah long story short it's a ceremony that's like our new year um and it's really important because my son's naming ceremony um is supposed to happen this year and i would like to go and do that um you know as well as several other cultural reasons but mainly just because it's my son's naming ceremony um, and then, uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, we are looking for, uh, writing contributions. Uh, it's not paid right now, unfortunately. Um, uh, maybe if the Patreon kicks off really fast, we can. Um, we're also, but we're looking for writers to help with, you know, writing stuff. So if you think you got some chops and you want us to read some things, email us at marksmanispod at gmail.com or bands of turtle island at gmail.com or chunkaluta1973 at gmail.com. And we'll probably get back to you in time. 
But no, uh, we're working with Unity Struggle Unity, who's printing out the Clarion, which is an imprint newspaper. And we're also in the middle of developing a website for Chunkaluta as well to host transcriptions of all the Marx Madness episodes for people's uh, ease, uh, ex- accessibility. What's the term? Uh, for Yeah, people's accessibility. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's a worthwhile thing. And the Patreon money after the 500, a lot of it's going towards transcription work right now, um, just because uh, very convenient to read instead of listening to episodes repeatedly when you're writing stuff. Trust me. Uh, I hate listening to my own voice now. Anyway, um, did I do everything? Uh, yeah. Oh, everything unless you get a specific. Hey, if you want to buy a buffalo hide, $1,200, message me. <laughs> it pays for Sundance stuff, uh, like porta potties and stuff for people. Oh, wow. Yeah, Good. We, yeah, we provide porta potties. Uh, we have to get a dumpster or people will just litter. Um, very, very, very fucking annoying. Uh, we get, feed everybody for the uh, five days that everybody's there. Um, otherwise, it's kind of the, you know, we help out who we can, but everybody's fucking broke as shit. So, <laughs> way she goes. But yeah, help. <laughs> so, with that, do you have any plugs, Prez? No. Okay. <laughs> So with that, I had to build drama. <laughs> the so that, suspense. This has been Mark's Madness Pod, part of Chunkaluta Network. We read books, um, and my name is David. I'm Prez, and I'm Shumani. I don't know why I waited to go last. I guess <laughs> I'm used to being the guest. Dude, I've <laughs> only had like two episodes as the second host. And- <laughs> Things have changed. Just, just as, as the second host now. Yeah, yeah. Prez <laughs> is in charge. <laughs>